Long time no see, I Christina. Know. I know, right, Marcus? It's like, been long. four or five years. Yeah. And then before that, it was quite a while. Yeah. Because we know each other from working for the wonderful company <laughs> Securitas. And working on the mine, yeah. Yeah, and I, I say that with... Um, <laughs> I, I hated that company. <laughs> I, you know what? Um, <clears throat> I, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, if you need a job, it's a place to go. <laughs> it, it very much is. I I have a hate with them because they turned me into collections. No way. I've never been turned into collections ever before by any company. I've always been like super you know, responsible with my bills and all of that. Yeah. And I remember they wouldn't work with my uh, schedule for the fire academy. Yeah. And I was like, well, you guys promised me X, Y, and Z to have these days off. Yeah. I already paid for the school. I can't back out. What do you want me to do? And the supervisor was like, well, you're either going to have to deal with it or quit. And I said, well, I quit. Like, I, I can't even give you a two weeks notice because it starts this day. Yeah. So my next shift, I brought all my uniforms in, gave them to him and said, sayonara. It was like one of the only jobs I've ever just said, just fuck off. I'm out of here. Well, you left really quickly. I was surprised. Yeah. I was pissed. <laughs> like I was not happy because now I'm out of a job and going to school. Yeah. Um, But I remember like four months later, I get this notice in the mail that I'm in collections for like $2,000. And I'm like, from who? And like, I'm trying to figure it out. And it's like, Securitas Incorporated. I'm like, I work for them. Like, <laughs> how is it that they think I owe them money? And then it, like, I called and um, they're like, oh, it's your uniforms you never turned in. I was like, bullshit. And whoever thinks those uniforms are worth two grand, you guys are crazy. <laughs> oh, wow. Over the uniforms? Yeah. I, even the, okay. So granted, they had a metal badge, but <clears throat> even then... It was just a gray top and pants, and you were lucky to have enough to last the whole entire time. Like when you, when you're working back to back to back, it was a lot of sixteen hour shifts, a lot of because I did the roving, and then I'd go up and work the gates too, especially some of the other ones. And oh my gosh, two grand for the no, yeah. those outfits are definitely not worth it. I could get something better on Stitch Fix. Dude, no, no joke. <laughs> and so I remember I was working Lark Gate, which was the main entrance to the Kennecott Rio Tinto copper mine in Utah. Yeah. And then I worked Alpha Gate a little bit, which was the concentrator gate. And then you worked, you were the rover. You went all over the place, right? In a truck or something? Well, I did the um, daybreak because they had the daybreak oh, rover. So yeah. I was the daybreak rover. And then when they had the, um, at the Delta Gate, Charlie Gate, and then when they needed extra patrols, because then they did that one off of U-111. I forget what they call it now, but I was the fill-in at those gates a lot of the time just to pick up the overtime just to make extra money to make ends meet so yeah because i think we were getting like as i don't know what you were getting but as an emt slash security guard i think i got 11 25 an hour or something and yeah. the overtime was nice but then those 16 hour shifts oh. those were horrible it was terrible you'd leave like for me i would leave down in daybreak and then i'd have to end to the far 
out by here and end up on Delta Gate off of 201. And I'm going, this is nuts, especially when you have to drive so far and you have to wait for your relief. And yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't worth it because I was making about a dollar less than you. And then I um, found out about the expired meds. I was like, that's not cool. (laughs) Who? Yeah, no, that was... um, very it was a job if yeah. you needed a job it was a job yeah just like you said it it was full of interesting moments for me i remember i've seen my very first mountain lion doing that job changing the stupid safety board at uh, lark gate and i'm like up there it's like 1 a.m and i'm putting these stupid magnetic numbers on and out of the corner of my eye i see this thing run into the middle of the mine access road and then hunch down i'm like what is that and i'm like that's a fucking mountain lion and like an idiot instead of doing what i'm back up slowly don't turn your back on him i just back you know pull back to him and run like crazy there was that time where it's scary for you because there's that person that got mauled by a mountain lion at one of the gates that one wasn't even a mountain lion it was a coyote oh yeah okay yep 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 that was like before i started like if you see wildlife stay in your shack and then the traders got mad when like well the security company I worked for after got mad when I called it a shack because they're like, it's a guard house. And I'm I'm like, it's a shack. I give, there is no ands, ifs, buts about it. You get an outhouse and you have a box that you sit in and you're lucky if you have heat, Wi-Fi, or even to have access on your phone for anything. And... You didn't have much coming through the nights of the slurry trucks or, yeah, no. <laughs> so did you work that concentrator gate as well? Yeah. I hated that gate because it also had the rotten egg smell from yep. the exchange of chemicals <laughs> they were doing. And that's where she got attacked by that coyote was at that gate. Oh. She was like lifting weights like. Mm-hmm. And, and here's it- me. I was dancing outside of them listening to music like. i didn't even know it was the delta gate oh my gosh and i was like when they had the makeshift gate there for a while when they shut down that main gate and i was out there for a while at the at the makeshift gate that they did as they were doing repairs um yeah i didn't even know i'd be out there like bebop into music have my (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes that area i remember well, i lived <laughs> you, you did but it was and i ran into what was another thing i ran into up there besides because i ran into coyotes all the time i never got attacked but a lot Thankfully. of people yeah and the thing was is they were very intermixed with like people so like a lot of people would feed those coyotes and i guess it must have came up to her for food and when she was like tried to shoo it out of there was like screw you bitch like your food now (laughs) well and i doing even the going out on the roads and they've built homes on there now which to me is you're so close to the dump it is and the home price is out there going that's insane and Kennecott sold off all that land to build homes, which um, went, goes by another company now. But it, the greatest thing for me was the off-roading and um, to go through the hall roads is what they call them. And I'd see moose and you'd see stuff down there and um, the mule deer, is that yeah. what they're called here? Because I'm from Minnesota, so. <laughs> yeah, so they, an- antelope were everywhere, Yeah, um, deer uh, 
the joys of podcasting with animals. I'm going to go calm them down real quick, and then we're going to pick up where we left off with animals that we see (laughs) out in the wild. All right, so we were talking about animals, and now I had to go get all my animals and bring them in here. That's awesome. Look, he's sitting by me. It's awesome. (laughs) He knows I like animals. He's like, oh, she. look it. They're all coming over here. It's like, Ah. oh, she loves animals. Like, and she's a sweet person. And you know what? All of you are right. Absolutely right. Isn't there something about that? I fully believe animals can tell good people and bad people. Whenever my dogs are, like, growling at someone or, like, don't like them, I'm like, I shouldn't trust you. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely agree. If your animal loves you or loves people that aren't around all the time. Yeah, yeah they have like a sixth sense with it or something. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I don't know why your one's licking the other. Because but... he just does that. <laughs> he like bathes him and then Aww. he may even like start to get like horny because he does that too. Oh, and then well, I do smell good. So I mean, I don't blame you. <laughs> like it's just a thing. It happens. I always smell good and I'm, uh, I apologize for. <laughs> for... So Gizmo, be a good boy. That's all I'm asking of you for the next hour, please. I, you know, just get it, dude. Just, <laughs> So we were talking about some of the animals that you would see off-roading. You're lucky because I was stuck in that shack all day. You got to go out and actually explore and do things. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you ever run into any rattlesnakes or anything up there? Well, I didn't get out of the truck much just to shut the gates. And then that was like shutting the gates because the person before me wouldn't do their job. So... They leave it for me to do, which was fine, but no, it wasn't fine. It actually made me mad. <laughs> oh. He gets to come join me. <laughs> You're, you shouldn't be worried. You're good. <laughs> your face is turning red. I just want to, nobody can see your face but me, but I was like, your face is turning red. Like, oh, he's going to do something inappropriate. And she's going to be like, oh, no, no, no. Like. Mm-hmm. What I do for a job, nothing is. If you, if anybody knew how our dark sense of humor, I'd be like, that's why I said, just let them get it. That's I can like... only imagine because honestly, like a lot of school bus drivers are the same way. They have a really mm-hmm. dark sense of humor about everything. Um, I am only picking him up because the black one is having none of it and is, is starting to bark at him. Oh. And so then that will be in the background. Um, I ran into like a triantula up there once. I had what the hell. Yeah. No way. Yeah, up at the concentrator gate. You. I was checking out that ERV, that ghetto emergency response vehicle they had up there that was like a 1990s GMC pickup. You remember that thing? That's probably the thing that I drove around because when they had a break in, I know there was one time I got to rove around and drive in circles around whatever and yeah yeah that may have been it it, i don't remember the truck or what it looked like i just remember seeing more of the area i just remember like oh i'm gonna be working at the mine we're gonna have all this fancy equipment stuff no it was (laughs) (laughs) securitas it was outsourced (laughs) yeah and i was like pre-tripping this vehicle because we had to do these pre-trips on them every night and yeah. i just remember out of the corner of my eye this triantula just 
walking out of the garage and I am deathly afraid of spiders. Well, Not as much anymore, but back then. And I, I remember uh, the supervisor on duty. I was like, you guys didn't tell me there was triantulas up here. And then he's like, oh, yeah, there's rattlesnakes, too. And I was like, no way. And then like two days later, one of the employees brings a rattlesnake to me. And they're like, <gasps> what What do you want us to do with this? I was like, that's a I nope rope. <laughs> yeah, I want you to get rid of it. Go throw it in the, you know, why are you bringing it to me? Well, yeah. you're the security guy. Not for <laughs> rattlesnakes. <laughs> I, I'm not pest control. <laughs> when, <I'm, laughs> when you get bit by that thing, I'm the EMT. Call me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's... Uh, and then, so I quit in like December of 2012. Yeah. December 2012, I was out, out of there. How much longer did you stay? Um, I was there for, hmm, I want to say until the following summer, because then I went with another security company and then I got to do security at the hospital and which led me up to what I do today. So, so. Were you there when they had the massive landslide at the mine? No, I left before the massive landslide, okay. thankfully, because that would have been... Yeah, I heard that was a nightmare to work. Yeah, I wouldn't... Because they would work you probably to the bone, so... Oh, yeah. I was I was gone before the massive... You're like, I'm out of See ya. Yeah, yeah. What hospital did you work at doing... Actually, the South Jordan Health Center. Really? Where, yeah, yeah. So I did... Um, um, what do they call it now? A place in Sandy, which oversees like healthcare for people. And um, I did Discover Card for, I started out there when they were building it. It was Magmus or something. And then I did uh, Discover Card for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was out there working at Discover Card, and that was cool. But I wanted to go closer instead of driving all the way out to. West Valley, and then they moved me back, and then I had my son. I was pregnant and doing it all, and I had my son, and um, then I asked for a transfer because I knew the company I worked with worked at the South Jordan Health Center, and I was like, that'd be, like, totally cool, and then I was out there for a while, so did that, and then transferred into what I'm doing now. And what you're doing now is one of those jobs that's so, um, it's like so interesting and compelling to me. I actually, you work for Salt Lake City Dispatch, right? Like the city I'm a dispatch? Salt Lake City 911 dispatcher, yes. Gotcha. And in Salt Lake County, there's two or three dispatch centers. There's VEC, right? Yes, there's VEC. So as far as the way to best explain it, <clears throat> um, there's two PSAPs, primary answering points in the valley for Salt Lake County. There's Valley Emergency Communications, and then there's us. Um, Salt Lake handles Salt Lake and Sandy, and then Valley Emergency Emergency Communications handles everything else. There's also Highway Patrol, and there's also UTA Police. So there's different jurisdictions um, because VEC... Um, there's unincorporated and incorporated. So you have like UPD and Murray and, um, I think, uh, Riverton, Harriman all came unincorporated. So you have these different municipals that are no longer a part of UPD and that their own identities. 
So Valley handles them just like Sandy is their own identity. We handle that. And the crazy thing with Sandy, Sandy has these islands and county, they're still unified. So um, White City, Sandy Island, that's all unified for police, but we'll handle the medical portion of it. And then it gets kind of sketchy as far as jurisdiction goes. And then um, if it's on a platform, that's unified. And then also university police. I can't forget those. Like (laughs) (laughs) university police, if it university has their own jurisdiction as well. So you, the police handle a lot of things. We'll handle medical calls to the platform, but depending on where that tracks platform is or bus stop, it might be university. It might be um, UTA. So it, it kind of differs. And then like with Sandy, we might handle the medicals. Sandy might handle the medicals, but it might be county for the police response. So it's a that's lot of learning. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds so, it sounds almost so complicated that it would be simpler to have one dispatch agency for the whole valley. But that's not the way it is. There's obviously multiple so if I'm a general citizen, mm-hmm. I'm Joe Blow Marcus and I'm <laughs> driving and I see a fire or something and I call 911, yeah. how does that get routed to whatever dispatch center? So when you, depending on where you are in the valley, it'll route to either because we are the primary. So valley and the Salt Lake City are the primary answering points. So depending on where you are in the valley depends on where you're routed to. And depending on what you're experiencing will depend on what action is taken. So if you're driving along the highway and you see a fire, um, if you, it ends up in Salt Lake, like 13 South, 9 South, 6 South, and you're, or even on the I-80, the 201 to a certain point, um, we'll take the call. And we'll create a call because we have an interfacing CAD. So um, I can see the calls that Bex has. They can see the calls that we have, which is really nice because years ago we didn't have that. We didn't have where we could see what each other was dealing with. I mean, we could. I shouldn't say that. When it worked. (laughs) So they had Spillman years ago and we had a web access to be able to see what valley was responding on and um and i would like to think but i didn't work there to know whether or not they had the web access that we did to see what we were going on but we there is versaterm web access for us as well for police officers firefighters that sort of thing where they can kind of see what everything's going on so just in this last year and a half, maybe, um, <laughs> you okay? Um, We're good. That's going to annoy me listening to that licking sound. <laughs> um, Real quick, yeah. you were talking about a program and you said CAD. That's computer-aided dispatch, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was so like, I think I know some of my acronyms. There's Spillman. Um, that's what Beck was on. We had Versaterm and 
about a year, it's been a year and a half, maybe almost two, that we've been on the same CAD, which is really nice. But we don't share the same CAD with Davis County or Utah County. So if you call and you're close to like 2300 North or the Davis County borderline, and you're calling for a fire up there, I have to transfer you to Davis County or to Bountiful, basically. Um, so this way, because they can't see the call. Like, I can't just create a call and they can see it. And so there's certain caveats to what we do. And then even down, um, and I, we don't have to deal with this because we have Salt Lake and Sandy. Um, it's where your cell tower is ping. So if you're down to 130, well, even further than that, like 100, like the point of the mountain, 142th, 150th, we don't get those calls. VEC does. But then they have to deal with that line for... Oh, for gotcha. Yeah, and then they'll have to transfer calls to Central Valley because then you have Davis County, you have Weaver Dispatch up in the north, and then you have Central Valley down in the south. So we don't, not all of our CADs connect. It just kind of depends. Where we've had people call in 911 and they're calling about someone in Davis County. And go it nine one one doesn't work that way. You can if you call nine one one and you're in Salt Lake, it's gonna count connect to us. And they're like, no, 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 I'm calling for someone in Ogden. I'm gonna have to connect, connect you, you to yeah, yeah. So um, that's how it kind of works. And that same for um, Riverton or anything down south. If you're saying. Well, I'm calling for Lehigh or Provo, and even people call in at Salt Lake or even the Sandy. Well, I need a welfare check in Provo. Okay, let me get you to the dispatch. dispatcher down yeah, there. Yeah, the dispatch that handles that. So um, 911, a lot of people think it's just one and handles the all, and it doesn't work that way. I right, radios only Radio frequencies only work so far. And um, so we don't have that ability. Even when our firefighters went to California during the campfire and all of that, we couldn't reach them on a radio. They got to reach us when they got back into the area to let us know that they returned. And we welcomed them on their return. But our radios don't reach to California. Our radios don't reach to St. George or... And our CAD doesn't have that wide, yeah, that reach. wide away array, like that array. We don't have that, so and there's a misconception out there for a lot of things, and that's just a tip a, of the iceberg. Yeah, I was gonna say a general. <laughs> that's why you got to educate the public on all this stuff. Um, what made you decide? Hey, I want to be a nine one one dispatcher. I remember. In high school, right out of high school, I applied for VEC and I did their uh, their um, examination process. Yeah. And after I got done, I was like, hell no, dude, <laughs> I cannot handle the pressure of this job. I don't like you guys do so much. Just the the test they had me do. My anxiety <laughs> was like through the freaking roof, man. <laughs> you have to be quick. Yeah. You're like, I don't think people get how much of a multitask 
that job consists of. So what made you say, you know what, I'm going to go give this a shot. <laughs> okay, funny story. <laughs> oh my. <clears throat> so I was at, I was working at the hospital and I applied for the site supervisor position there. And I figured that the person that was um, security with me had been there longer, was an ex-officer, was probably going to get the site supervisor position, but I went for it anyway. And one of my colleagues at the time had said, this is what they applied for. And then I, and then I was like, that is, that's cool. They had military experience. And I was like, no way, like you're going to get the job. And then they were still there and they said they didn't get the job. And I was like, no way, you have military experience. And I, and I had never considered it because I was like, oh, I didn't even know how, you know, it, it was inquiring to me of, oh, how does that really work? So I applied and um, got to go in and do my test and did my test, passed. And I was like, no freaking way. Okay. <laughs> and then they had me um, come in for an interview and I passed the interview and I'm going, no way. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was a system manager at the point for this site. I was um, this when the ex-officer got hired as the site supervisor, which I knew that was going to happen. They asked me to be assistant manager and I accepted no pay raise, but I just accepted because I loved, I loved the site. I loved the people. And so when it came to applying for where I'm at now, yeah, I, and then I passed that test, got the interview and they said, well, now you have to do your background check, which is highly extensive, by the way. I, you have to, a detective come out to your home and interview your neighbors. And it is rather an extensive interview. And when I made it through that hoop, I'm going, oh, man. And I started listening to YouTube recordings of, could I do this job? Yeah. And um, being in security was doing good in the world and I'm that type of person that bringing good is or being that little light is something that was always been important to me so I listened to recordings and said can I really do this job and and then I made it to the second to the um, second interview I was offered the job and then I took it and seven years later seven years it'll be seven years in February here I am doing the same thing so they even did like an extensive background like they would for a police officer for... oh yeah no we're post certified so we are um, we have to go through post in the state of Utah well for us anyways um, they have classes and I, I think it's the same for Weber Davis different dispatch centers but um there's a separate post class just for dispatchers and so you're post certified so wow. i'm per post certified i have my bci cpr emd and before they change things with the systems that we run off of i had other cer certifications with epd emd um epd emd and efd um, but they kind of went away from 
the EPD and the EFD, thankfully. Um, and now we just have to do the EMD, which is, which is fine. But I've delivered babies. I've saved lives. And, you know, what, what good? And the sad thing about our job is you never know always the end of every call. You just hang up and it's on to the next. Yeah, that's that's a crazy concept because the other first responders that go get to go to the scene, they, they almost see it to the end resolution. Sometimes yeah. not because you drop the patient off to the hospital or something. You don't know what happens then. But you guys, once the phone call is over, you got to pick up another phone call. Um, what was you get through the application process? What was the training like? Was it just like... They obviously don't just sit you at a computer with a phone and say, here you go, right? <laughs> no, um, the training's kind of evolved um, from where I was years ago. Um, you have to go through, I mean, it's a binder, like a foot long of different chapters through police dispatching, fire dispatching, jurisdictions, policies, procedures, um, call taking, you name it, and there's 30-some chapters in this binder that you have to learn, all your 10 codes, um, NCIC, um, BCI stuff, dissemination. You have to sign up on a lot of stuff. And so you go in the classroom, and then when they do put you on the floor, that's when you have that real-life like learning mm -hmm. they'll do scenarios and everything but scenarios don't match up to the real life calls that you take i've taken i've taken some gnarly calls and um and i can put it out there because it was on the news when i was in training there was the murder suicide that happened in salt lake i was actually in training and took a call from that when i was in training and i'm going teach me where am I supposed to go with this? And, and they called on a disconnected cell phone. So, and then they disconnected and it was, um, one of the hardest calls and that's stuck with me for a very long time. Really? It's still to this day. <laughs> wow. So you go through all this training process and then you get out on the floor, mm -hmm. the dispatch floor, whatever it's called. Yeah on your own do you start as a dispatcher or a call taker so it depends on the center that you work for um for salt lake um i know that they're kind of evolving to a different standard i know with valley a lot of people had to just do call taking for an entire year before they could do the dispatch training for salt lake it was um we went to the model of when I first started there, it was you had uh, fire dispatchers, police dispatchers. And then if there was extra in fire, you rotated over to go and take police calls. And um, then they went to the model, which was absolutely from I find it phenomenal because if you have someone that's going to be a thousand percent dedicated to a discipline and um for me it's fire and medical for others it's police you can code things a lot quicker and to be a hundred like to just be dedicated we had dedicated discipline so salt lake for a little bit had where medical calls came over to us and we were just 
in our disciplines and which was a an awesome model and it, i because you get them so frequently you're not losing skills <clears throat> but now the models change where we rotate back over and which is fine i am you know mm-hmm. i'm a dispatcher but the dispatching is still separate so you have police dispatchers you have fire dispatchers and you have dispatchers that take calls from both disciplines and um that's what we're doing now and um yeah and and it depends i'm you have valley where um from what i understand from people that have told me it's just hearsay um they have to do everything they have to do police dispatching fire dispatching and then they take all the calls and then um from what i hear from lateral dispatchers which is people that come from other dispatcher like dispatch centers and get hired on with us and they're like we do it all like they do police dispatching fire dispatching and call taking Hmm. Um, for all the disciplines and um, and from having to do both and seeing both sides um, well besides the police dispatching part of it I think it's beneficial to the citizens to have that if you stick to one study it's kind of a doctor look at doctors you have family practice you have orthopedics you have rheumatology you have neurologists they specialize because they they do that because what a great asset that you are to your patient yeah when you're focused on that instead of so broadly yeah yeah. absolutely because it's a lot to learn i mean 10 codes and everything like the models change all the time of What's a priority two? What's a priority three? And all of that changes so much. And even what fire responses are. And it's always ever changing. And it doesn't matter what age you are. That's a lot. It's a lot to learn. And to have that discipline as what they do with doctors, as what they do with nurses, um, for especially what we do because we're the first link in a life-saving chain Mm -hmm. i feel for me that we should just be as personalized as doctors and nurses are you have er nurses you have pediatric nurses you have labor and delivery nurses we're the first link in the chain and it's no different than even the fire people you have emts and you have emt advanced or paramedics yeah it is specialized. It's a very specialized field. And to do something so broad, uh, it takes away from the advantage that people can get out of the first link in the chain of life-saving resources. And right now you're having to play on that broad model. You're having to do both. Yeah. Well, for the call taking portion of it and which is fine. I, um, you know, I did it years ago, but for people walking in, it is um, overwhelming. A lot of people can find it very overwhelming and I always tell trainees, you're going to be overwhelmed. Even when I started, because when I decided I wanted 
to do this, that this was the place for me. This is the place for me to do good, to be there to help others. I would go home and I'd listen to a scanner and I'd sit there and type and type while I talked and try to up my skills Mm -hmm. to have that quote unquote dispatcher. And, um, you gotta want it. And, and it's, it's a lot, it's a lot that you have to do. Do you have a lot of turnover from people who come off the street and they're like, I can do this. And then they get in it and it's like, screw this. I'm out. There were years that we didn't. Um, we had a great support system. Um, and unfortunately today, as it stands with our center alone, and, and there's places across the country, even Kansas City, the mayor was offering $5,000 sign-on bonus just because of the shortage. Um, it is a very specialized, we're not a secretary, we're not just an admin type of role. Um, and to fight so hard to be classified as first responders is uh, frustrating to say the least, especially when you work 16 hour days and you might get three hours of sleep. I've done that where I've worked 16s and back to back. And I don't live in Salt Lake. I live in South Jordan. So for me, it's a 30-minute drive at best to get home. And by that time, you wind down, and then you have to get up and do it again. And depending on weather, depends on how much sleep you're really going to get. So it it's taxing. It definitely is on even – there's calls that I will always remember. And anybody walking in the job to think that you can just brush it off no, there's calls that you will remember that will stick with you. And, um, and I guess the best advice to give anyone is what I got from when I took the one murder suicide in Salt Lake when I was in training. That's already emotion. You can't change it. And the only thing you can do is try to be there to create a better outcome. And, even if you can't, everything's already in motion. That's already been done. And there's nothing you can do beyond that. Just decides to be that first link in the chain of helping, aiding, saving, whether whatever it may be. I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I um a few episodes ago, I have uh, interviewed a captain from Salt Lake City Fire Department. Ooh, what captain? He's actually retired now. But, but what his captain? His name was Jerry Gomez. He worked out of, I can't remember what station. <coughs> He's been retired for quite a while, though. Um, and then I interviewed Roslyn Edgington, who's a retired Salt Lake City <clears throat> police officer. Okay. And they had never met each other, but we had this <laughs> connecting link between them and I interviewed them separately, and they yeah. both had this uh, career-changing event and call. So Jerry Gomez was the first responding engine company to Trolley Square. Oh. Roslyn was the lead detective on Trolley Square. And to if for people who don't know Trolley Square, it was a mass shooting that happened in a shopping complex here in Salt Lake City. And the event totally uh affected them as as it would anyone yeah and i think 
now the resources are getting better for um, recognizing post-traumatic stress syndrome and things like that. But I also think that your line is greatly forgotten about even by the general public because <laughs> when, I, you know, you're out there you're like, yeah, the firefighters, the police officers, they're saving the day. And it's like, what about the people that are taking the calls all day? So do you do you guys get help or recognition for that? I mean, that that obviously runs in this job, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, we we luckily um, Salt Lake, um, and I feel bad for the privatized resource, like the privatized centers out there. Um, so Salt Lake, we do have an EAP, and we have the same benefits as firefighters and. Um, police officers do in Salt Lake. So as far as free resources for mental health and, um, and we have an EIP, that's absolutely great. But however, there's that lack for us of, um, and it really depends on staffing and we are at critical staffing and that's a lot of centers and we don't get to do the debriefings that police or fire get to do. And to sit there and talk about the event after. And um, I was the dispatcher on the call just a couple months ago where the vehicle was overturned in the canal. And uh, a dad and a child died. And um, and I'm not one to watch the news. Like, I used to follow the news, but I stopped because of my job mm-hmm. and because uh, I I hear so much negative on my anytime I'm at work it's, it's it's you hear so much negative that I just stopped watching the news or keeping up with anything current events and uh, that call uh, it was the last one to really rock me and um then luckily there was like a minor debriefing for that one, but then I had another event after that happened and there was no debriefing for that where, you know, it was just on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. So you're absolutely right. We are the least to get recognized. Um, services for us can get better. We have a peer support program um granted but that's a whole other subject but we so there are services for us but as far as we need the staffing to be able to have that break like fire does or police do after critical incidents what do you think's running the staffing problems because i know like For instance, public safety. When I went through the fire academy and had my EMT, getting a public safety job was a pain in the ass. And that's why I drive bus now and instruct bus drivers (laughs) because I was trying to get on with the fire departments. And I remember sitting in Murray High School and it was two sessions. So I was session one. And they're like, we have a whole nother session coming in. I'm like, I've got 300 people in here. How many jobs are they doing? They're like 10 openings. I'm like, so 600 people for 10 openings? Yeah. And it is ever since kind of the backlash on public safety, I would say, that came out right oh, I was pre-pandemic. There during the ri- I was there during the riot. I worked that night of the riot. I was in the 
I was in that building doing CPR on a child when they were trying to break in that building. So I went home very angry that night at, at many people that were outside that building that didn't know what I was trying to do in that building. So I was, was very angry (laughs) that night, the, the riot. Um, and then we had to hold over, um, for them to clear the streets for us to get out safely so we didn't, weren't going to get attacked. Yeah, and it seems like it's it's ter- taken a 180 because now you have police departments and fire departments, which were highly sought after careers, going through staffing shortages that are insane. Yeah. And so I can't even imagine what the dispatchers are. I was just reading an article the other day that Salt Lake County is allowing 19-year-olds to work in the jail now. And starting at $28 an hour. Yeah. That to me, like, is insane to put a 19-year-old in that environment. Yeah. But they have to do it because they don't have the staffing levels. So, and like you're saying, you guys are critical staff. Do you think it's money or just the public's not interested in those types of jobs? I think it's a public um, fear because of how much under the microscope that we are. Um and I get it. Like, we are held to a higher standard. They're in the news recently, and it's 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 embarrassing to the profession and to the firefighters across the, the, the state and across the country. There's the Kaysville firefighter that just got accused of... Um, Sexual misconduct yeah, of a minor or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you are held underneath... A microscope and yeah there's been um bad officers there's been bad firefighters there's been terrible dispatchers too there was the one in what was it tennessee it was on the east coast where the female was the it was a sinking vehicle call there's flood waters um and 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 granted at that time we didn't have abilities so people look at what, and they, when they watch the show 911 or they watch CSI, we don't go out and fingerprint. Like, we don't. There's a lot that is just movie oriented and it's not separated. So, if your car gets broken into, we're not going to go out there and fingerprint. It's, just, it's not a thing. We're just going to, you know, take the items and it's not a crime scene. There's, it's a lot of money to create a crime scene and to have those technicians come in. That's a lot of money. They were going to go in on homicides, suicides, that sort of thing. That's a lot of money and a lot of resources that taxpayers pay for. So when people are like, you're not going to come in fingerprint? Well, yeah, your car got broken into. That's a lot of money taxpayers like you have to pay for for that resource. If you want, if you, you complain about taxes being higher... Well, it goes to those resources. Part of it goes to those resources, I should say. There's other federal funds and so on. But it's um, when people go, you don't know my exact location. If you call on a disconnected cell phone, I do not. I absolutely do not. I don't know. We can have a what is called Annie Alley, and it gives us a lat, a latitude and longitude and a phase. But if it's a wireless phase one, 
it's going to give me like 6,000 meters. So 6,000 meters are going to cover like the whole entire county. Like I can't, no one's going to search for you in a 6,000 mile radius. <laughs> yeah. There's just no resources in the entire county. Murray, it doesn't matter. Magna, South Jordan, Riverton, Mur it doesn't matter. No one's going to search for you. And we get a lot of um, children playing on the phone with disconnected cell phones, um, and which we can never call back. That's what I learned in training because I had that murder-suicide. And they called in on a disconnected cell phone. And when they disconnected, I couldn't call them back. And it was traumatizing, absolutely traumatizing that I couldn't call them back. Um, so, yeah, we don't have... When you watch the show 911, I wish I had the programs that they do. <laughs> I really do. It would make my job a whole lot easier where it would just kind of ping and go into my. Nope, nope. It's that's not how it works. It doesn't yeah. go into my computer. It's so a do, drag and drop. <laughs> so, do you think that's part of it? Is the public is already kind of upset with how the system operates and they expect it to be higher? And you guys movies under make it higher. Movies create a higher standard than what is reality. Unfortunately, I mean, I it's any kind of movie. It really, if you CSI, uh, even The Walking Dead, really, if it was a zombie apocalypse, you better. Oh my, I was watching the finale <laughs> of the last season. I'm like, there's no way there's all these zombies and they all made it out climbing up a pipe or whatever. <laughs> there's just no way. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I even get frustrated as the citizen that doesn't work in any of that stuff. But like, I know certain things about it because I've chosen to be educated about it. And people will like call um, 911 for a, simple fender bender or something i'm like call the non-emergency line what, yeah what's that you don't know what your non-emergency line is like you need to figure out for the city you live in what the non-emergency line is because yeah. if you're calling like for a barking dog or we get calls on 911 all the i bet you get so <laughs> many calls on 911 that don't necessarily constitute what an emergency is yeah oh absolutely a lot of the times where they call on 911 and I need the number for this place. And it's kind of frustrating where this is, you're tying up a line. So to explain to the public, when you call on 901 for centers like Valley Emergency Communications or us, no matter emergency or non-emergency, you're getting the same people. So our center is, um, and I don't know how Valley set up. I haven't been over there. I mean, we went over there for the riot because our calls got diverted to there because they shut down our building um, due to it being unsafe. Mm -hmm. So our calls got diverted. Our dispatchers went over there to work out of that building because of what happened to the damage to our building. Um, and... Um, so people don't understand, like, whether it's it's as prioritized. So when your call comes in, if it's a 911, you're sitting in the queue and you're going to be first up. And if it's a non-emergency, you're going to be sitting there holding until someone comes available to take that call. Lately, even in Salt Lake, it's been 
back to back, whether it's 911 or admin calls, if they call on the 799-3000 or if they call on the call on 911, if they call on 911, that call drops in first before the 799-3000, but it's frustrating for the those that call in on 911 going I need a number for, um, I just took one this week actually for, it was like Oregon dispatch or it was another state. And I'm going, well, I found this on Google. (laughs) 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 I, and I, it was just Google. We all have access at our fingertips. Whether you have a government phone, it doesn't matter. You have that access where, I found this on Google and they're like, oh, I could have looked that up. Mm, Yep. No, now you just stood in line to prevent someone probably calling in with a heart attack. You now just took away their time because there's only so many of us at a time that to answer those calls, even if it's saying, please hold, please hold, hold, don't hang up. You just need someone to be free because the call volumes have increased and the number of people that are there to answer 911 calls and non-emergency calls are very few. Like we are becoming a lesser and lesser breed. So I understand the public's frustration like, and then it ends up in an abandoned queue. But if you have calls dropping in your ear back to back, that abandoned queue where that call where the person hung up is going to sit there until someone is free enough to answer it. And depending on call volume times, you might be waiting a little bit. So I can't imagine how frustrating that is for you because, and like you said, going back to your story, can I get the phone number for organ dispatch? (laughs) It's like society, and I get this all the time at my work. So like I get frustrated when I get this. So you dealing with emergencies, I can't even imagine because I will constantly have someone ask me, how do I do this? And then I go through the processes of showing them. And what they don't do is they don't watch to learn it. So it's basically like they just want their hand held and me to do all the work for them. And then it's like, thank you. It's like, you know, you could have done this yourself. You know, you're fully capable. You're just lazy and want someone else to do it for you. So that's got to be highly infuriating. I mean, I don't know how you don't reach through the phone line and smack some people, <laughs> especially because you're kind of just like a, a a call center like Discover Card or any of these call centers. But instead of getting pissed off customers with my card balance or something, you're getting my dad's dying or yeah. this person just shot this person. So you're getting yeah. people on their absolute worst days and then to go from that too. Hey, can you give me the number to? <laughs> it is. Um, <clears throat> I think the only relief and, and people don't factor in is we have what are called constant callers and every center has them where you have people that call in frequently that abuse the EMS system. And so in between our emergencies are not emergencies. There's people that call in and, 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 and there's hecklers too. I mean, we have had our fair share over the years to, uh, with the one incident and we've had different incidents where people call in and they'll block their number and they'll call in on the non-emergency line and then they verbally abuse us. And it's, 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 it's infuriating cause it's, I'm not a part of that. I wasn't, 
a part of that whole situation. I wasn't there. But why are you going to call in and call me a cunt, call me a bitch? And the the horrid things or even the threats. We've had threats where people have said, I'm going to kill your fucking family. Like it has the things that we hear that the public doesn't understand about the things that we hear sometimes and then you have to ask, do you need police, fire, or medical? You fucking bitch and I'll kill your fucking family and click and they hang up and you're like, okay. And then you get verbally abused and then you're on to, on to the next of my child stopped breathing. And then you have to go from being verbally abused to, okay, like, let me get you help. Like, you know, what's your address, you know? And that's the most important thing. Know your address, know your phone number, give me your name. That's what I need. And tell me what happened. Yeah. And I need to know your address because we need to know where to go. So that's the first foremost. Know where you are. Give me your phone number because technology isn't concrete. It's not 100%. I have to when you're like, you can see it on your screen. I maybe can, but technology is not a thousand percent. Verify what I'm seeing is true. I have to because that's a policy. That's a procedure. Every center has it. I'm going to ask you for your address twice. I'm going to ask you for your phone number and I'm going to ask it twice because if what I have on my screen doesn't match the number you're giving me, I'm going to ask it twice. Give me your name. And then I'm going to say, what happened? Okay, tell me exactly what happened or what's going on. And I'm going to ask you questions and to say, send someone now. Okay, well, my partner's working on help. Depending on like cops don't go ten thirty nine. They oh that's um Lights so to the yeah. <laughs> so yeah ten thirty nine and ten forty. <laughs> yeah. There's ten thirty nine and that's lights and sirens or ten forty, and depending on the priority when it comes to police calls in in city they rarely rarely do lights and sirens, um, and it depends on the code in the city. Sandy will on some calls. Sandy won't on some calls. City will not really because you have that wake effect. So um, you try to prevent accidents because if people have, if a officer or firefighter has license sirens, it's called a wake effect where people rubberneck, check it out, and then it creates accidents and things that not be. So there's procedures and policies and and especially in Salt Lake City because there's so many people depending on the day of how many people are downtown it's to protect the citizens and citizens get really angry why didn't you come here well because we're have to look at the bigger picture here yeah exactly we understand your emergency and we're getting there quickly but we have to prioritize how that works with lights and sirens to protect the whole. And sometimes lights and sirens doesn't get you there any faster. No, Maybe people even don't slower pull over. because people are just <laughs> in their way. People don't. I took a picture this morning where there's two cars driving side by side. And I'm going, and I was so mad. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're not even going to the speed limit. I just want to get to work. <laughs> and they're driving side by side. And I was like, Oh my, and even going home at night, I work 12 hour days and, and there's people that are just, oh my gosh, just stick to the respected lanes. There is that 
unspoken truth <laughs> about how this works on the road. Don't act like you own the road. Just, oh my, because you might have gotten off at three o'clock and you had to work a six hour day. I work 12s. So yeah, no, when I get off work, I just want to go home because I'm going to sleep and I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. And it's great that you work, but I, you know, when I, especially when I work 16s, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm going to have like three hours of sleep. Please get out of my way so I can get home so I can try to get at least three and a half hours of sleep. <laughs> How was it working as a dispatcher with the, uh, coming on of the pandemic was that a real difficult thing did you guys get a lot of like medical calls on i got a cough a fever yeah they actually came up with uh so we use um emergency medical dispatch and it's through um the priority dispatch um and you have to be certified to be able to use the system and um we go through what's called quote-unquote pro-qa and they actually created a pandemic card. So we have different protocols that we have to follow when it comes to medicals. Um, and it depends on the center. Some centers do not use um, priority dispatch or, um, or certain centers aren't EMD certified. We were a tri-certified center where we had all three of them, but it just... Um, EFD was like the newest EPD, which is the emergency police dispatch. There, there's just questions that didn't make sense. And, um, and you talk to any dispatch center, they don't like using those protocols at all. Mm -hmm. EMD is the only one that makes sense. Um, so whether it be abdominal pain, dog bite, back pain, chest pain, we run through a certain program um, to make sure that the response that you're going to get is going to be necessary, not just for the public at large, but for the person itself. And, um, but so they created actually one separate just for the, just for the pandemic. And it was the pandemic. It was uh 33. It was just for the pandemic, for the pandemic. And it was a low triage and um, Salt Lake and the county was basically at a low triage point or a medium triage point, and we'd have to ask a couple questions. So this way we could let our the people responding know you're going to be exposed and so they could take the proper, proper precaution. precaution. Yeah, and do their PPE accordingly as to what it, the call they were going on. And then during that whole mess with the pandemic, you also had the event downtown, which was, you kind of touched on it. The riot. The riot and chaos that ensued with that. And you were working that day? I did. I absolutely did. And I had, I have pictures of um, the people up on our ledge. There's a ledge. Um, when you come under the solar panels, there's a ledge. And they crawled up on there and there were people. And I took pictures and the crowds of people that were out in front and um, the damage to our windows, the graffiti, and um, before they broke in our building, um, our director was there and was like, be prepared to move. You're gonna only be able to take this with you. You gotta leave the rest. And I'm going, because 
when you're a dispatcher and any dispatcher out there knows, you kind of move in for the day. <laughs> so I have my backpack, which has notebooks and I have my makeup and I don't know, a leave, Tylenol, whatever I need for a day. And then you might have an extra bag that has your lunch in it or your snacks that you could 12 hour day or you drink so you need to drink and then you know i'm a woman i carry a purse <laughs> so yeah. i carry so it's you move in basically for the day and then you move out at the end of the day because that's half your day there's 24 hours in a day you spend 12 of it at work mm-hmm. and that's not including the drive time that you have to go to get there some of us drive an hour just to get to work so you're working a basically 14-hour day when you have to drive. <laughs> and you get 10 hours. And depending on traffic, I mean, you might be lucky to have eight hours. And so, and if you work 16s, like, good freaking luck. You're going to get, like, two hours of sleep. <laughs> so, um, no, the day of the riot was, uh, yeah, there it, it, they were throwing stuff at the building. We could hear it, and we could hear the the um, loudspeaker. I mean, it was a silence, and they kept coming in, and SWAT kept coming in, and with decibel meters to make sure that we could do it. And the point that they tried to break in the building, I was actually trying to help a family do CPR on their child, and and they were starting to switch over everything and we are the last to go and i mean in the event of a fire or anything i mean we're the last to go if that building were to burn down we are absolutely the last to the last to go and then they after they got everything after we all got off the calls and they had made sure that everything transferred over to the other piece app the primary answering point for the valley we left and then we were held because we have underground parking. We hung out there for two hours because of multi cocktails and they had to clear the street. And Fifth South is one way. You go to freeway. the west. Like yeah. you Fifth South, you go to the west to go to the freeway. We actually had to backtrack and they had a whole way for us to go out to make sure that we had a way to go out. And it was frustrating it was i i i went home and hugged my kids like my family all waited up for me that night to make sure we got out of that building because they've seen what happened in in minnesota and other places where you know people were getting injured and my family all waited up for me that night to come home and it was by the time i got home it was 9 30 quarter to 10 and then you wake up at four o'clock and you got to do it all over again the next day because I had to go back in the next day to to be there the next day yeah and I think something that people don't realize is I'm sure the call volume from that one incident rose exponentially Mm. and that's not to say that the ordinary calls weren't gone like there's still emergencies in the city yeah other than this massive riot that's going on and the sad thing was is because of how volatile people were there was a a zone made where we weren't responding into for the protection of the firefighters because of how 
people were behaving and how people were. Um, and even then, I people say, you sign up to do this. I didn't sign up to get attacked. I didn't sign up to be verbally attacked. And I assure you, no citizen signed up for the building to get attacked while I'm trying to help them save their child. So that during that time, because the police car was turned over, we could see the smoke from our building and they had to go and actually save an officer during all that time. Um, yeah, there, I, there's other calls and people were getting injured during this whole riot and we're going, okay, can they come out to this area? Because otherwise it's going to be a bit because we need police officers to come in and help us to go into this area to make sure that our responders aren't going to get attacked. And, and that was the reality of it is you could send in help, but people were attacking the help that was going in there to help others. And people were mad about response times and it go, and, and, it, and it's sad, but the reality of it was, Okay, well, we just didn't need more people down. We, you have to look at the bigger picture of I can send in three people, but if you have a group of 10 that's going to go and beat them down and you can send in three for one, now you have four patients and you started with one. And so it kind of, it was a very delicate situation, to say the least. Yeah, I can imagine it was a clusterfuck. I'll just say it. <laughs> <clears throat> no, it was a, absolutely a clusterfuck that whole entire day. I um, I screamed, and I, I screamed the whole way home. I got my emotions out, um, hugged my family when I came home. They were relieved that I made it out safe. Um, I am thankful for the officers that day that helped protect our building. I am thankful for the firefighters that were there for us should something happen and we needed someone to be there for us. I'm very thankful for, um, and that came from many different agencies to be there for us that day. Um, I'm very grateful for all of them. Um, yeah, I remember and, watching it on the news and I was just like awestruck. I was like, this in Salt Lake City? Yeah. You usually only see this in like Chicago and LA and And it didn't even happen here. I'm from Minnesota. George Floyd happened in Minnesota. It didn't happen here. I understand people being upset. Go about it. In a more productive way. Have your demonstrations, but do think because I do consider their feelings and I and I do see where they're coming from I'm from Minnesota it was so it was kind of twofold for me during that whole kind of period of what I do what I seen being from Minnesota and um I was so angry so angry where I'm trying to help save a life of a child for their parents. And there was just no consideration for that. And and I understand people being upset, but you have to look at the picture of there's more than just that. Have your demonstrations. Okay. I, you know, I can agree or disagree or whatever. I am I'm human. 
I'm a person, I'm a citizen. But that day, for what I was dealing with, because it's traumatic, because when you have parents crying, help me save my child, help me save my child, and you're trying to help them save their child, and they're absolutely in tears because they're about, and, and it was, and when I say child, I, it was like a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, I mean child. No parent, what, I have three children. I couldn't imagine losing a child. And I couldn't imagine the phone being cut off because people didn't want to see the fact of what we do and what we're there for. We're not like, that's fine. I, I sat there and looked out the windows, heard all the rants, did everything, watched the signs. Okay. But look at the bigger picture of what we're doing. And, and, and the sad thing is, is that call wasn't even in Salt Lake or Sandy. It actually came out of a different city that I was covering because at that time it was create the call, someone calls over, create this call, like they get the information and we're calling over and like relaying the information to the center um, and or making sure that they got the call. I don't, I just, I just remember having to do the one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four and helping these parents save their child while people were trying to break in and burn down our building. Yeah. Um, That's insane. <laughs> and you came from Minnesota. I did. What brought you from Minnesota to Utah? <laughs> you want the long story or the short story? <laughs> Whichever one you want to provide is fine with me, but it's I always find it interesting and I was talking with one of my friends earlier that it takes a lot of courage to move to a whole nother state like to uproot your life and move to a whole nother state <clears throat> and Minnesota is yeah. quite different from Utah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. well, absolutely it is. It's a it's a, a, a culture shock for for um people outside of the religion, I assure you. <laughs> What what age did you come to Utah? Oh, I was 31 because I've been here a decade now. I've been here 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And the short story of it was? <laughs> um, I don't even know. There's like no way to good. There's no good way about to go about it. I guess what um, – when people call in and they have to deal with domestic violence, I can empathize. Gotcha. And um, so I legally separated from my husband. <laughs> and moved out here to get away from a <clears throat> I bad did. situation. I did. I did. My family, my dad had a job out here. My mom, of course, moved out with him. He, she was a homemaker and... Um, my mom and dad had moved out here. I knew her health was going kind of downhill and I, um, had a event in life happen and, um, being the caring person that I am, I decided to run, <clears throat> but I, that's, <laughs> 
I still run from relationships, so it's a little thing. <laughs> well, I mean, we all are a product of our own history with relationships, right? I mean, we try to learn from them and things of that nature, but it seems like scars and wounds from past relationships are extremely difficult to get over in new ones and things of that nature. Well, you can. I mean, I... Um... I fully believe in therapy. I have a great therapist. Um, and my therapist is a dude. Like, it's, it's, it may make people go, like, wait, your therapist isn't a female? No, my therapist is a guy. Um, they, uh, I've had them for years, even before my mom passed away. And, um, I haven't seen them in a while. I haven't had to, thankfully. Um, but they, have taught me many life lessons. And I was in therapy. Um, my ex-husband and I were actually in couples therapy before he decided to exit. And um, I still continued on with my own for the point I was in my life. And so it helped me get the courage to do what I did. So That's good. I mean, I think it takes a lot to... Um, build up that self-esteem in yourself and that the willpower to be like, I can shape my own future and I can get the hell out of whatever situation I'm in. That was the second time I uprooted my life. So, but to move to another state was different than the first I had to deal with. Like I had already built up everything I needed for me and my children. Um, so the exit on that wasn't terrible, but to buy a house and have a house and, and, and have this quote unquote American dream. And then that all is just vanished and it's dissipated to move to another state. And even when I moved here, I still like my marriage was absolutely something that meant so much to me mm-hmm. and um i paid the down payment on our house and it meant it, it meant everything and so um, to walk away from that was difficult and even when i moved here and we had legally separated i had said family or and um they chose the other and i said okay and then i went through the proceedings and went back to get the rest of my stuff and done deal lived here ever since which I it's been an adjustment but um I'm not from Canada I'm gonna put it out there (laughs) (laughs) everyone from Utah is like you're from Minnesota eh like you're from Canada no (laughs) I can say out and about in a boat (laughs) you can hear my accent on some things but I'm not from Canada. Minnesota's American, y'all. Like. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And you're um, you're a big Minnesota Wild fan, right? Absolutely. You're yeah. an Avs fan. I don't know how much anymore. Oh. <laughs> They're not doing too well. Yeah, well, you can't change teams. <laughs> I know. 
Um, I just haven't been following hockey as much. I actually really enjoy just going to the Grizzlies games now because they're affiliate with yeah. the Colorado Avalanche. So I, I find those they, a lot of fun. They were the Ducks the years like years ago. They were the Ducks. Yeah. And that's how I met a lot of people here is through going to Grizz games. And, and I didn't go for a while because that was ruined for me through someone else. <laughs> <laughs> but I did start going and, um, you know, I'm from the state of hockey. So I love hockey and I love watching those games. And I love when I find people that have a passion for hockey, like you, like actually <laughs> avid hockey fans, because there's not many of them in Utah because no. we just have a minor league team. We don't have any major league hockey teams. And people are always like, hockey's so boring. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you need to actually go watch a hockey game in person. Ah. There's so much fun, like such an outlet of screaming and yelling for your team and I don't know. Well, the thing that got me here is going from an NHL game to an ECHL is, you know, NHL, I've been in the XL Energy Center so many times and the atmosphere is a little different. And then they go here and then the Grizzlies, when they have a penalty on the other team, the other team comes back at full strength. It was like, and you still suck. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Here's my Minnesota nice looking around like, y'all say that? Like, what's going on with you? Dude, Utah fans are nuts, man. (laughs) I was like rather shocked when I first went and my dad enjoys going. It was very hard to move from professional into um minor but i mean the bees games it um the twins have their stadium they have the stadium and it's it's a very beautiful view so once they moved out of the metrodome and their stadium like it was a pretty but i gotta say um being a minnesota ton (laughs) (laughs) it's like a mix in with a uton um um the b stadium the background of the mountains and when you go and watch games is absolutely phenomenal um to see that background of the mountains on that open stadium is just beautiful. I think that's one thing that Utah doesn't get enough credit for is its actual beauty and landscape that it has here. It yeah. is a very beautiful state. Oh, absolutely. Despite a lot of its downsides. <laughs> oh, well, what? The quote-unquote inversion. <laughs> Smog. <laughs> <laughs> that, our lack of water, our <laughs> increasing... <laughs> The lack of water is getting better. I that is, you. that is. I this winter has been good. We'll see if it makes. I, I'm curious <laughs> to see what the experts say about the yeah. dent in the um, the drought. In the drought, um, the smog. Luckily, since we've inversion, had... quote unquote inversion, <laughs> sir. <laughs> like that's the Utah term to make it sound more healthy. Yeah, no, no, that's what I thought when my parents first moved here and my mom was like, "How oh, there's the inversion. It's so pretty." And then when I moved here and then I learned what the quote-unquote inversion was, and I'm like, "This is ridiculous, really?" Like we had 
the the worst air above China one of the years. And I'm like, really? Like, I moved here for this? (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back to the land of mosquitoes and 10,000 lakes. (laughs) Yeah. And I I tell people who I talk to that are from other parts of the country that have never been here. And they they always ask about that because it's like a nationwide known thing. I'm like, they're like, explain it. I'm like, imagine the most dense fog that you can taste and cut with a knife. And all the while, you're getting cancerous particles in your lungs, and it will not go away until a storm rolls in. So thankfully, we've had all these storms that has kept the inversion at bay as of recently. But during those drought years, oh my God, it would get so bad. It was it was terrible to go out, and it was it was Mike living in COVID pre COVID of having to go out and. Wanting to wear a mask. So you wouldn't, you know. It's not even for COVID. You're wearing it because of the pollution. Um, Yeah, it was for, that was terrible. When you go and you're in the United States and your city is number one for the most polluted city above China, above places that have been. No regulations. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was. I'm going to stay inside and not do anything. And when people ask, are you going to move back to Minnesota? I, I love where I came from. I'm born and raised. I do. Um, I do not miss the mosquitoes. I do give it to Utah. You live in the Valley. You're good. Like there's minimal bugs, depending on if you're close to the salt lake or if you're down further South, like for where I'm at, you don't, you don't deal with the bugs. I, no matter where you went in Minnesota, like you had mosquitoes. It was, you're going to put on a hundred percent deet and sit in the smoke of the bonfire. And, 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 and the crazy thing is from moving here, when I've gone up in the mountains and the mosquitoes do bite me, I get these giant welts. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with your mosquitoes here. <laughs> they're radioactive because they come from the desert where they're <laughs> dropping uranium. Well, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much because... When I've gone down to St. George, that is just, um, the the Red Rock is absolutely phenomenal. I love St. George in the fall. Absolutely love St. George in the fall. And the Red Rock and you feel like you're going on Mars and it is, it is phenomenal. I mean, I do give it. It doesn't take you long to get from one state to the next. It doesn't take you long to get to Idaho. It doesn't take you long to get to Wyoming, Nevada, et cetera. Like it doesn't, to go somewhere, it doesn't, Arizona, like you're close to anything. Um, and it is a, and it is a beautiful state and they go through the mountains and to see the mountains and, um, it is breathtaking and the sunsets here oh and the lightning bolts because sometimes the lightning bolts when there's thunderstorms here they're huge (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, when you get a good storm here it's really cool to watch i i'm one of those crazy people that they're like lightning get inside and i'm like lightning i'm gonna go outside with a metal (laughs) tripod and try and and take pictures And then, and then those are the pictures on my Facebook. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, whoa. And then I've sat there like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> I would get after him and be like, you should be out there doing that because that's the part of me. But 
I know the part of you, so I respect that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as of recently, you have kind of come under a little bit of a health scare too. Yeah. So do what have you been experiencing? <laughs> um, over the time of my job, um, it, the working six scenes back to back, um, I ended up becoming blind in my right eye. Really? Yeah. So I have a blind spot in the middle of my vision in my right eye. So I'm basically legally blind in my right eye. So I have peripheral, but um, so if I'm looking at you and I'm closing my eye right now, mm -hmm. like I can't see. <gasps> Obviously <laughs> not the microphone. <laughs> I apologize. You're good. <laughs> so obviously I could see that. Um, but yeah, so if I close, I have, I'm blind in my right eye. And they don't know why? No. So I, um, they don't, I can't figure it out. So I have, um, I'm HLA B27 positive, which makes it, you can have ant closing spondylitis, which I don't have. You can have MS, which you don't have. Um, I have MS lesions on my brain. Um, which I don't have a mess. They tested me. They spinal tapped me twice. And that's the worst procedure ever. No matter which way, guided or the other. Like, it's no. Yeah. Um, so I've been spinal tapped twice. Um, and when they've done MRIs from years ago, when they thought I had MS, tested me and I didn't because I had a white lesion on my brain and then they just recently tested me and the white lesions have grown. I'm negative for MS. I'm negative for anything, for lupus, everything they tested me on their son. So they don't understand why my rods and cones in my right eye have um, died off. So that's where, I, that's where I said is they don't know why, but I woke up about year ago um in 2022 because it was 2021 i woke up in the fall i had an eye flare i get uveitis iritis my body likes to attack my eyeballs and um i was working 16s back to back ended up with a flare went in and i was like hey i can't see and oh oh it's probably from from this and I'm used to being on steroids. I did infusions and on my third day, my home health nurse thought I was nuts because I was doing, I did my last one at work and I felt like crap by that day where I was at work taking calls and I'm getting a thousand milligrams of steroids put in me. Wow. Um, I just didn't have the time to take off because of my flares. So, mm -hmm. um, and then any other flare happened around working a lot of overtime and um yeah no i have i'm actually blind in my right eye so and you you think that's come from these long shifts long hours and stressful situations long shifts long hours stressful yeah i um it was securitas like i hadn't had a <clears throat> Uh, I had iritis years ago before moving here and that's the first time I had ever got it and I was doing daycare and going to school at the time so I was going to school full-time and 
And then I was running a daycare um, in-home business. Um, and I was working 50 to 60 hours a week and then going to school full-time. And that's the first time that I had uh, a ride spray. I like, And that's where you're sensitive to light. And I couldn't even handle a candle. <laughs> wow. And it was living in the dark, not looking at anything. It was completely dark. A candle was even painful to look at. And... Um, and you live like that for days. It's highly debilitating. You can't turn on lights. You have to, I mean, a nightlight was extremely painful. And um, so when I moved here and I was working for Securitas, I ended up with another flare. And um, I went in and they tested me that I had, um, I went into the South Jordan ER and they said, we can't help you. <laughs> and then sent me up to the menu and I had a whole, I had a neuro team over me, the I team. And they're like, okay, you have iritis, you have this. They tested me. I went through, they kept me in the hospital overnight. Um, and that was where I was working 16 back to back cause I was doing the roving for daybreak and then I was going up and working on the mine and I was working 16 back to back and then I was good once that leveled off and then I went to another company. I was good <clears throat> just keeping and not working any overtime and then my job now I was good for throughout the time that I was training and um yeah and then when I started working those 16 hour shifts again back to back that would flare and now even on my 40 hour my 48 hour work weeks um my I I've started dealing with eye twitches um in my bad eye but when my good eye flares like the Moran <laughs> they freak out going, I don't know how you lost vision in your other one because they don't, they don't know. But I've done all the tests and I'm, I'm blind. I have a blind spot that I'll never get back. That's got to be so highly frustrating to not have concrete answers <clears throat> for. Yeah. Because I remember and nothing even near where <laughs> what you're dealing with, but I uh, suffered about a back pain back in like 2014 and I would go. I went to the doctor and it was like, oh, you just pulled a muscle. It's like, well, okay, go home rest and just kept getting worse and worse. Go back. Oh, no, you got to give it time. Here's some, you know, here's some muscle relaxers. Just, just give it time. Not getting any better, not getting any better. And finally, I had to almost like force them. I want an MRI and x-ray done. And finally, when they did it, they found I had five bulging discs in my thoracic vertebrae. And that's when I finally seen a specialist, but even they didn't have many answers for me. And it was like, well, we're going to put these injections in your spine and send you to physical therapy and we'll see what happens. And I think people, and especially me, I get caught up in this too, is <laughs> you take your health for granted so much until you don't have that health. Yeah. And then when it's gone, it's just so frustrating because I went six months where the pain would be so bad. I would get these uh, muscle spasms. And since the um, vertebrae that were bulging were in my thoracic spine, it would cause my intercostal muscles on my ribs to cave in on themselves. And yeah. I couldn't breathe. Yeah. It would feel like I was having like a heart attack or something when oh. these attacks would happen. It was so painful. There were times where I was like, I want to die if I can't get better. Like, 
just kill me now. So I can't even imagine what you're going through because I would be so pissed at at the medical system, at my own body. So it takes a very strong person to be able to keep going through that and working as much as you do. That's very commendable. I haven't, luckily, I haven't had to work a lot because they threw me on immunosuppressants during a pandemic. It was great because, you know, they just think so highly of what's best for us. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been through the ringer on terrible medications, terrible medications um, that um, made my flares worse, where I've been through bad flares and I've been through a year not having to do steroids. And I've, I've gotten to the point where they couldn't get rid of the flares because I was working so much overtime. They had to do an injection in my eye. Um, I just take care of yourself. I took my, it took me to take over my healthcare to say to my doctor, I'm not living like this. Like I'm not going in. And if you're going to put me on things that are going to alter my Policy says I cannot go in on medication that's going to alter me in any way. <clears throat> you need to put me on overtime restrictions. So thankfully for me, I work my regular hours. So right now I work a 36-hour week. And then the following week I work 48. So, um, but at the end of the 48s now, because we've been doing this for about a year, um <laughs> My eye twitches. Like, I woke up in the middle of the night last night because my eyes started voluntarily, like, violently twitching. <laughs> and I couldn't get it to stop. Um, but that's the thing where, and I push with our, 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 our legislator, our governor, our, even the mayor for Salt Lake and our council members, which there's a couple that support what we do and see what we actually do as first responders. I'm not the only one that has an autoimmune. Um, I'm not the only one with health problems in that place. There's not a single person on that floor, whether physical with what I deal with or a couple of my coworkers deal with, um, uh, many people deal with, whether it be diabetes, autoimmune, whatever. Holy crap, what we have to deal with. And that's not even including if you don't have to deal with the physical because your genes are better than mine, obviously. <laughs> you deal with so much mental and, and whether it be depression, PTSD, we all, there's not a single person on that floor that can say that they don't have PTSD. I've been diagnosed with PTSD. I do the steps I need to take care of it. Um, there's not a single person, even in this profession countrywide, unless you're brand new and you haven't had those calls yet. You're going to hit that point. You're going to have that call. And I have, in my seven-year career, I have one. So the murder-suicide, I took a call, another call that um, hit too close to home. Um, A child caller 
about their parent. Mm. And uh, I have five calls, five calls that are, you could be when you want to. I You can meditate, you can do things, and but a trigger will happen and that tape will play and that'll come back and it's there. And you have to recognize it's there and you go through therapy to deal with when it's there to be better. And so. Yeah, I, I can only imagine because you're dealing with this on a daily basis as part of your job. I have a few events in my life that have shaped me and given me um, perspectives and even mild trauma. Like when I was working in Securitas, I had a kid kill himself on my shift. Oh, was that the one that was off the road? Yep. Off of U-111 yep. in the trees? Mm-hmm. <gasps> you were on that? That was mine, yeah. I was on that night. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I remember the, I'm so sorry. the fuel guy, the Sinclair guy had come up to the... Um, uh, shack and I was working and I can't remember his name but I had a good rapport with him and we'd always yeah. mess with each other yeah and he comes running up to the shack I was like what's he gonna try now and he's like there's <laughs> a fucking kid hanging from the tree and I was like it was like October 29th I was like don't fuck with me I'm almost yeah. off shift yeah and he's like no I'm serious so me I worked that night yeah me and the supervisor ran down there yeah and- no the supervisor was with me doing a check at my gate at the time where that call came in. And I don't, I never ran out that way. I mean, we went to the Hall Roads, which was on 118th, which is the halfway point. And then if I had to meet with the supervisor, like there was that little parking lot at the end of 118th and U111 yeah. where I would meet with the super to give papers or whatever. But yeah, no, that little, that little alcove. And I was with the supervisor on that night. I didn't know you responded out there, honey. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was on the I was on Lark Gate and I remember mm-hmm. getting out there and I just notified him like you can tell UFA to slow down because he has been here a while. And I remember just looking at this kid and it, it was a teenager. He maybe was sixteen, seventeen at most, just in this tree and I had I'd seen death before. I, I had this weird thing where tragic events have happened around me. Like I watched three people burn to death in an airplane once. What the I'll, hell? Yeah, I'll tell you that. Story oh. in a <laughs> but after watching this, I was like, damn, what was going through your mind to put you in this position? And then what really pissed me off is I worked the next shift. I got no help whatsoever of like how did that affect you yeah. no one gave a shit from but securitas like, and yeah no they yeah. don't they don't care it's on to the next i mean you're on the low and that's just not to break in i apologize no you're fine but you're on that lower and at the totem pole where no one cares oh yeah especially in that company and <clears throat> i remember the most frustrating thing to me was people who were coming into work that next day that i was checking in were making comments to me at the gate. Like, I was wondering what that kid was doing, uh, carrying that rope and that chair out there. I was like, you didn't think to stop and ask this kid, is he okay? Because there's nothing from where he was coming from except the mine. That's it. And you guys didn't stop. 
Like, no, I seen that in all the reports. Like, I seen that in the reports of because they asked me, "Did you see a child?" And I was like, "I don't go down that way." Yeah. And <clears throat> I met the supervisor earlier in the day, and um, um, and it was just learning about more about Utah. And um, they asked me, and I was like, "I don't go out that far. I my area is here." I didn't know you were responding out there. I'm so sorry. Oh, uh, it's. It's, but that, and like I said, that was one that kind of, li- it had still lived with me. And then the, I had uh, the plane crash, which was god awful. So, you know where airport number two is, that small airport in West Jordan? Oh, I think that's the one my coworker, because she worked during that time. She was working for Salt Lake, and there was a plane crash, and they ended up getting in. And I think that's the one she was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> yeah. we, we laugh on our um, slips on the air every once in a while. I don't make slips. I've been really good in my seven years. <laughs> um, I try to be very careful, even though I did kind of chew out go cross recently not too long ago for not staging um but um i've been really good about the slips because <laughs> <laughs> i don't want because we save them on the desktop it's terrible yeah <laughs> i don't want to be one of those people <laughs> i can only imagine that's hilarious but, but you were on the plane crash too no i didn't respond <clears throat> i was 13 at this time and me and my mom were coming uh, back from dropping my dad off at the airport. We dropped him off at Salt Lake International. <laughs> and we're coming back and we're coming up the road where New Bingham and uh, 7800 South used to diverge there. Yeah. And this little prop plane, those small Cessnas came up. And what I read later in the news report is a gust of wind pushed it down and the landing gear wasn't up. So it caught the fence. And it did like a somersault across the road and just ended up in this little field in front of us, probably 100, 150 feet. So we slam on the brakes. Uh, me and my mom are sitting there like, what are we going to do? And there's a soccer field over there as well. And all these soccer players started running to, you know, give aid. And all of a sudden the plane just <laughs> fireball. And these people were trying to get out and they just, no, it was... That was another one that's like been like, oh, God. And then there was the one a couple years ago, not one last year, the year before the one that crashed in the house. Yeah. And And we were getting calls on that one about the big smoke plume, because, again, it's that depending on where you are, whether it be Bangor, U-111, um, 201, I-15, 215, I-80, depending on where you are and where it answers, we were getting calls on on that on the the smoke plume yeah wow that's crazy and then you just have to go and like look and then hope you find the call and then you just <laughs> add it to the call of another caller sees the smoke plume and yeah no those are because we because the airport's also salt lake city mm-hmm. so when they have an aircraft alert we see it which is nervous for me because my friend's family, mm-hmm. everyone flies. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, 
oh, do not be coming in on this plane that maybe having landing gear issues. And but I mean, I see it when the reds, they're called reds, but they're actually green, which is like the most confusing <laughs> thing ever. But they're like this limely, like bright green, but we call them reds. And so, I mean, I can see when airport alerts come in and that's like the scariest thing because airport has its own fire station. So they have two of their own. We share one. So one is shared with the city and, and shared with airport. So they have um, station 12 at the airport. That is just airport only. And then you have station 11 that's shared. And I took a call from someone um, a couple of months ago, actually. Um, where they were mad about the response times. And I'm like, again, I'm sending the closest person to you. And that's what people, I guess, fail to remember too, is you might live a block away from a fire station, but they might be out on another, on another call. call. Yeah. And we have to bring in the closest to you, which might be, a mile away or two miles away, but we are definitely bringing in the closest to you. And that's the same with the airport where they weren't there in a minute. And we don't have a magical wand. We, it's not like, boom, they're there. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm not a genie. They are in large fire engines that have to divert around people that don't care about what's going on in your life because that's the society they don't care that's what i feel at many times especially the day of the riot no one cared i was giving cpr to a child and i see that so much when people don't want to pull over or even move over when i see troopers in the left hand lane in the shoulder or in the right hand shoulder no one wants to move over no one cares move over because you don't need to make that worse oh, for the God, trooper. Or... I, know. I had recently, well, a few years back, I applied to go work for UDOT's incident management team. Oh, that would be awesome. And <laughs> I got, I got like almost basically the acceptance offer. They wanted me to come in for a ride along and yeah. start like the actual hire on process. Yeah. But I was like, I failed to ask how much this job even pays to start. <laughs> the state pays not so and well. And then when I figured out it was 16 bucks an hour, I was like, I'm not risking my ass on the side of the freeway for $16 an hour. I'm sorry. So truth be told, um, I love what I do. I do absolutely love what I do. Um, the critical staffing levels that we're at, um, the dynamic that has changed. Um, I love what I do. I have pride in what I do. But um, I went to and I applied for a job with the Utah Department of Corrections. And because I'm BCI certified, post certified, all this, I, I their starting was 1953. And I was like, okay, they're starting, they're starting there, right? Mm -hmm. And so I got the job. 
And when it came to, so we're going to start you at 1953 and that's substantially less than what I make now. And I was like, give me a day to think about it. And I crunched the numbers for what I have for bills and I couldn't take that hit. And, um, I, I declined the job Yeah. with the state cause I would have kept my, my URS retirement. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I really wanted to. It was eight-hour days, Monday through Friday, um, holidays off. We don't get that. I mean, we work in a job that's 24-7, 365. You work Thanksgiving, Christmas, Monday. People are working, which a lot of places are closed. We work all that. Mm -hmm. On Christmas Day, there's people that are working, and it's either... I mean, you're to bank the holiday or to make a little bit more money, maybe not much, but you make a little bit more. And, but I did try to leave, um, because there does need to be more support for us. We should have a 20 year retirement versus the 35. Yeah. Dispatchers are at 35, except for if you're in highway patrol or park city where cities i don't know want to include them as a first responder and and i hope and that's progression that salt lake's trying to get to and i hope for um, mayors on both sandy and city will help push us to get there to that point and progressively um, include us in that vital link for what we are and city council members on both sides that we are we yeah we we have a union but it's we have a union at my job too <laughs> a union okay <laughs> air quotes uh, like so they don't do much are you under aspie i hope not <laughs> no i'm we're just saying under... i pay union dues but i'm not i'm not like a full backer I, on that <laughs> i am not part of the union at my job i refuse to because mm. i know who my union president is and i'm like if he's mm. the president i don't want nothing to do with this <laughs> Well, I've been like sitting there thinking that dispatch really needs their own union and whether it become a part of the police union or the fire union, we need something different than maybe the city union. I didn't pay union dues for years. Um, I just did this last year, um, but I haven't paid. I didn't pay union dues for years but there's some benefits there especially for us but um i really want to i follow different union pages because i'm trying to find something better for us dispatchers and whether it's be creating our own union um that's specifically for dispatchers for the fight for pay because pay across the country it's way too low. Oh, uh, yeah. It's depending on where you live. It's people at McDonald's are making more than dispatchers. And it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. And I have I have the same <laughs> gripe for my bus drivers who, <laughs> right? who are out there <laughs> driving kids around who 
everyone likes to say, oh, it's the most precious cargo. Well, then pay these people like it's the most precious cargo. Absolutely. Because right now they can go work at Pepsi and start at $30 an hour with zero experience. And you're paying them $22 an hour to start driving, which is an okay wage, kind of. But then I'm like, but Taco Bell's paying 16 and there's no liability you mess up driving a school bus you're in litigation lawsuit prison yeah absolutely and that's just the same with dispatchers and like that's why dispatchers have left for other jobs whether it be hoping to take that cut of five dollars that's even with the state if that department of corrections would have offered me a little bit more because i am post certified i already have my bci and they wanted someone that had bci you had to get your certification within six months. So I already had that. So I had qualifications that they were looking for. And then like, really, I'm going to pass, I'm going to pass their background check. Yeah. I've, I've, it's already been extensively done. I've, I've held my post certification. Um, so yeah, I was an easy hire on to not offer me more. If I would have got, if they would have offered me even the top out right and been like, because you have X, Y, and Z, because you know how to run 28, 29s, do background things, and you know how to work the system, we're going to pay you this. You're going to have to learn like maybe a little bit more. Like, obviously, I'm a fast learner. You have to be. Oh, yeah. To do the job that I do. So if they would have offered me a little bit more, I would have been on board and accepted it and I would have given my notice with what I do now, even though I love what I do now. I absolutely do to be there for citizens, to help bring good in the world. But I was applying for this other position to keep not only my URS benefits because, yeah, I have to think about my retirement, but it was also, I was still bringing good into the world. Mm-hmm. for what I would have been doing. So it was fulfilling that career that I've always wanted. And so my job I have now, when I walked into this, it was a career until things evolved and now it's wishy-washy. Like they've left, people have left that have 15, 20 years experience. Why are you letting experience walk away? experience that is going to teach this floor why are you letting it those people walk away yep i not being in the emergency uh field but it's the same in education we're having drivers that can't make it because of inflation and the wages that they're making anymore that are excellent drivers that i would trust my own I'll say dogs because I don't have children (laughs) on their bus. But that's furry children, I'm just saying. Yeah. (laughs) And then I'm we are retaining some that aren't so well, you know, that I'm like, because we're in such a hard spot that sometimes we do have to accept these people that I'm like, uh, you know, we almost don't have the damn choice and we're letting the experience walk away. And it's because the cost of living has gone up and this goes for across the board for all state government employees. It is infuriating to me when you can't afford to live in the communities you serve. Yeah. Right. And that is a huge problem in Salt Lake County and Utah abroad. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. Across the across the way, I um, <clears throat> to rent downtown, and even if we could be, and even they try to include us in the first responder Home buying. Ha- yeah, but it was just buying in Salt Lake City alone. It wasn't included in the Sandy. Like that'd be cool, but it was just all. I don't want to. Me personally, I do not want to live where I work. Just like um, whenever I have to call 911. Yeah. <laughs> I hate having to make that phone call. And I, I despise it because I've been on the other end. Granted, I, I, I try to be a better... I know you're going to ask X, Y, and Z, so I'm just going to throw it out there. And I try not to be the horrible caller because I, you, I, yeah. (laughs) I get get it. (laughs) No further explanation needed there. (laughs) The yeah gave it away. (laughs) But yeah, there's just, I mean, that is something that I think citizens need to realize that governments uh, locally and federally are at breaking points with employees due to uh, some of these issues with pay. And that was one of the reasons I was looking at leaving and going to UDOT for their incident management team. And then when it was like, well, I, I did the math. I was like, I ain't risking my life for that amount of money. And they'd come back with, well, you do get a company vehicle that you get to take home and you save in gas and all this. And I'm like, still, that means I'm on call. Yeah. (laughs) And you're on call. Yeah. (laughs) But, but how much am I on call? Yeah. Right. Dot does a lot. They absolutely do. And our firefighters, um, it was a couple of years ago where 201 was icy as crap, man. And, our firefighters were like, we can't even make this in chains. And they were just doing rounds on the 201. Oh, it was the snowplow drivers two... and stuff? No, no. It was just our engines for oh. traffic accidents. And we had two of them doing basically just circles wow. on just 201 alone. And it was one of the captains that he's a battalion chief now was like, you need to get UDOT out here to like shut this down or... They need to come out here and salt this because it is an ice skating rink on the 201. And, um, yeah, for what incident management does. And, I mean, altogether, it is a large county between mm-hmm. everyone. And Highway Patrol plays a huge role. And they are a small um, part they're, they're a part of the puzzle. I mean, granted, not as large, but but the amount of calls and the amount of officers, and I say again, even in Salt Lake, Murray, it doesn't matter where you go, the amount of call volume that we receive from, I stubbed my toe. <laughs> <clears throat> and he, yeah, you're going to get a Gold Cross ambulance, but if... They are on calls within different jurisdictions that use them as well. Or if city have exploded with heart attacks, 
people in cardiac arrest and breathing problems like that also gets an ambulance response as well. And then there's other parts of the county that utilize like Sandy on lower code calls, utilize Gold Cross as well, and not just their ambulances try to save money for their citizens. Mm -hmm. And so, and the wear and tear on their apparatus. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I could only, I, my kids have gone to school. They've been with your, <laughs> definitely your, your jurisdiction of, of school bus and expertise. Um, and, you know, I'm always thankful for them to transport my children and to keep them safe. I mean, absolutely. That is. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, that was the one thing that like, I, I do love my job and what I do too, but at times it becomes very taxing because I'm not a bus driver. <laughs> like you're I, the trainer. I'm yeah, <laughs> but I, you teach, you teach people where to go, how to get there right? and what to do. <laughs> but every day, everyone in my, uh, training department and training office and everyone at my facility that has a CDL, we're all driving. So that's all the office personnel, all the supervisors. So we're, I'm there at six o'clock in the morning and then I'm not leaving till five at night. So I work a 10 hour day, 10 and a half hour day, Monday through Friday, every day for 180 days out of the year. And then I get my eight hour days in the summer. <laughs> so it just becomes slightly, uh, Burnout, taxing. burnout, and it's, taxing. It's taxing, burnout. I mean, it's the same for us where we don't have, um, we get a certain amount of hours. So per your seniority and how your longevity, you get a certain amount of hours that you get accrued bi-weekly. And then you get a certain amount of hours for um, your sick leave per year depending on how long you've been there. And um, in the detectives, like in Salt Lake, because they've been, no one wants to do that job because you're on Look at the, the one where they just were acquitted for the elevator response. And like, you get it. They had to secure the scene. Like they had the suspect that just stabbed the dude and they're <laughs> just trying to like, you have to think of, and in that moment, they're thinking about the bigger picture here again of the public of, I want to do this, but if I do this, I'm not watching my partner's back because if that person gets up and stabs my partner and then comes and stabs me and then kills this person, like, and stabs this person more than they already did, like, it's a domino effect. They have to keep those dominoes straight up. And... And I've I've watched the comments on Facebook. I have looked at I've looked at it through and through. And I you know you can do any citizen can do a sit along with dispatch, can do a ride along if you request it. You just gotta call your city. Just call your city and say, I wanna do a sit along with dispatch or I wanna do a sit along with 
a ride along with a fire. I want to do a ride along with police. To have it approved, you just have to request it. Yeah. So you I, can see the other side of things. I think that's a huge thing that people don't understand. And I know they paused them for a little bit with COVID, but I've done multiple ride alongs with West Jordan City Police Department. I did like nine or 10 because I really wanted to be nice. a cop for a long time when I was in <laughs> high school. And then I was like, I would be the worst cop because I'm too nice. I'd be like, oh, just a little bit of weed, get out of here. <laughs> but, you know, you'd make. Those are the ones that are going to help you out in the future. <laughs> I don't know. But, but I don't I, know. I'm not a cop. Yeah. I'm had, like, don't do bad things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only, I've, I've had, even when I've had interactions with police that have been of my own fault, I've never been mistreated <laughs> or anything. Um, but yeah, so I've done ride-alongs with the police department. When I was an EMT, um, we had to do clinical hours with UFA, so we went on their engines and did that stuff. Okay. So I've seen the picture from the police, the fire. I've never done like a sit-along with, uh, with dispatch. dispatch. That would be a very interesting one. That never even crossed my mind. But I think more people need to do that type of stuff to get an appreciation for what your first responders are actually doing in your community, especially, I mean, police they're going from call to call to call to call. They're like us. And it's like... Good luck for them getting the pee. Like, they're yeah. like us. Like, good luck of uh, them getting a break. Especially during the day where in city, people get upset. Because Salt Lake City has online reporting for certain things. And it was because of the response times, basically. So there are certain things... Like, even today I had a 911 call. They called out, my car was broken into. Did you see who did it? No. Okay. Do you have video? Do you have any evidence? I don't know who did it. Okay. <coughs> and the way Salt Lake City handles it is you can do it online. And they called in the middle of the afternoon where you're going to be waiting for a minute because there's domestics, there's stabbings there's calls that came in at maybe the same priority of that one that came in at the same time so you have to wait in a row of 10 12 whatever it may be for abuse investigations or stolen vehicle investigations like it depends on the priority of where you sit in line and the person got really upset with me. And I'm like, this is to, you get a free copy report. So I give it to Salt Lake. Like, they can get a free copy report. Um, and that's like traffic accidents with no injuries. They don't do, they don't find fault. So they say, hey, I'm going to, I can create this. You're going to put this number online, like give it to the other party, exchange your insurance information because it's completely civil. It really yeah. is. And so they offer this online version and people get mad. They're like, I want an officer in person. Okay, we'll give you that. But you're going to be waiting for a little bit, especially if it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You're going to be waiting or two or one because there's already been calls above you because it's day and influx into the city of people. And, you know, 
And they have officers for like telephonics to handle certain calls and, um, but it's anyone can come up and you just have to call to come up and view, to come up and walk through to see and even request a sit along. The social workers that work in Salt Lake do sit-alongs with us and officers every once in a while will do sit-alongs with us depending on their training person well that's cool and then i think they need to see what your side is as well oh absolutely and there's been um when some channel changes happen and fire they had the captains at the time come and do sit-alongs to see the changes that we were doing and and I'm a big advocate for fire for even their new recruits to come up and do a day sitting and and granted for us it's feast or famine. So there's days so when we get a fire and it really when when the news calls us, it's like I can't get I we can give information as far as the address, the time it came in, and what it was, right? But I don't because I'm trying to call Dominion, Rocky Mountain Power, do the pages for, like, the chief, the working fire, send out the support engine, the utility, add the extra battalion chief. There's so much behind the scenes that we are doing. So when the news calls in, it's very frustrating <laughs> to me. And it's like, you have my PO, PIO number. Call them. Leave me be because my PIO will call in and be like, hey, give me the details on this. (laughs) But they know when to call in when it's kind of simmered down where I don't have to call Dominion, Rocky Mountain Power, Water Department, Red Cross, whatever. Like they know because they're listening to the radio. They know when to call in to get the details that they need. Or they're logging in and they're looking at the details that they need because they know we're busy. Because you have, for like with City or even a Sandy, we're listening to two channels at a time. And if a fire comes in, we split channels. So our main channel would be for medicals. And then on the second channel, it's going to be for the incident. So... You need a person for each channel, right? Yeah. So, and then you have to have a person that's doing all these calls because we have to listen to the people in route, all their chit chat for when they get there and they do their size up and what they're doing. And you are focused on that incident alone. And then the people on the medical channel are focused on the rest of the stuff that's happening, everything around them. And then you have the person that when they say make working fire notifications, you have to do notifications to, like for us, there's different pages that you have to send out, whether it be Outlook or another program. And then there's Rocky Mountain Power, Dominion, And if they say initially, like, especially in big incidents, hey, call UTA, you need a bus, like you're calling for outside resources. So you're having people do this while one person's focused on getting all the details on who's on first. So um, 
it's beneficial. Like there's times where we might not be doing much at all, but when stuff hits the fan, it is. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> so I have a question with that. Yeah. Full moons and stuff. Oh, or like weird days like <laughs> Friday the 13th, like today or Halloween or God. Does, does that actually <laughs> amp the call volume up? Oh, yes, absolutely. So today um, we had a call before I left early um, for medical things. Um, <laughs> there was actually a uh, call at the same place, right? Same, same type of call at the same place. And I kid you not, within an hour, same floor, just apartments down, same call type, everything. And where else? And I didn't pay attention that it was Friday the 13th until I had to go to my doctor's appointment. I was like, <laughs> I'm so glad I left today early. Because <laughs> um, it was, because there was a memory that popped up on my phone that was like 2017. And then I was like, I'm so sorry for everyone that has to work February 13th with the full moon. <laughs> but no, see, it, it is really, it is oddly a thing and you don't say quiet you don't say have a good shift like there is there are words you do not you do not say in dispatch on the floor because you'll ruin everything like i my, my headset bag i have this crystal actually that i was given when i went to a a shop for like bracelets and cool things because mm -hmm. i like my bracelets and they gave me that and they're like, oh, you're a lot of, you're around a lot of negative energy. And I was like, um, I'm a 911 dispatcher. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, every day it's calling into me. <laughs> I was like, no one calls me on a good day. Cause I, I had went in when we worked half days and our shifts were a little bit different. I went in before and she seen where I worked and she's like, you work around a lot of negative energy. And I'm like, I'm. A 911 dispatcher. So, yeah, no one calls me on a good day. <laughs> Were you working the day of the earthquake? I went in. That was my half day. Oh, so you so weren't in there in the morning when it happened? My mom was alive. I thought she fell down the stairs. And I was like this. But I was there. And so the public safety building is earthquake proof. And it was like being on a shift because there was the afterquakes. So when I was at work. You were like swaying back and forth while trying to like type things into the computer. <laughs> yeah, it was like a ship's swaying because it would be like, boo, 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 boo. like you see your computer screens bounce and you look at like five, six of them mm -hmm. at a time. I mean, it's just not one computer. There's five or six of them. Yeah. And they would like bounce, and then all of a sudden, like the whole building would, would sway. Roll. <laughs> like, like, you would. Yeah. I, I no, I was not looking forward to going in that afternoon. I was like, this is the most terrible thing because then it was like a week or two later we had the big windstorm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the one that knocked down all the trees and everything yeah, like that. Yep. No, I was there for that. Like, that was terrible. Yeah. 2020 <laughs> was like we were hit with apocalyptic events. I remember, I remember sitting there and they had just shut the school district down. And I was like, damn, this is really weird. No buses <laughs> are going out. No nothing. 
And then when the earthquake happened, I was at work because I was still working while the bus drivers were off. And I remember having this earthquake happen. And then these air raid sirens were going off because we have a factory (laughs) next to us. So it sounded like I was in a war zone. And I was just like, it's a really bad time to be an atheist. I think the world might be. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm agnostic. Like I grew up Catholic and I moved to Utah being a Catholic. And then, no, that was a terrible year. I was like, I need to really, like, re-question, like, the bulls, the angels were, like, dumping out. Like, (laughs) That's no joke. It was a terrible year. It was absolutely, yeah, it was a year. It was a year. Well, hey, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Um, I hope this brings about an awareness to the emergency medical dispatchers and police dispatchers in that whole community and world where people kind of gain new knowledge and respect for what you do. Cause I think you guys are a lot of the time on the sidelines. I appreciate you. Um, and I hope that this coming year is full of nothing but <laughs> positive vibes for you. Well, like, you know what? Today is not starting out two weeks in like so well, but um, thank you for so much for allowing me to come on here and to share with the public awareness. And I know that we have tried as a city to get out there in the public to um, raise awareness. And the crazy thing is years ago when it was career day, um, I went and shared my career with my children's class Um So people, so they could understand um, a little bit more. And I know we need to get out in the community a little bit more so they understand that what they see on TV is not always a thousand percent or a hundred percent. It might be 25%. Yeah, I was about to say, it's probably down in the 20s. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, So we try to get out in the community more. However, we are... We hurt for people. It is a very specialized job. It seriously, I didn't even, I had to understand what I was getting into. And even then when I was like, oh, I could do this. And then they handed me the training manual. I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) And and there was so much to learn for. um, And I couldn't imagine there's, there's just so much to learn and the, the, the different talks and the different speak. And even when it's patched the regional channel, cause when it's highway and or unified or a different jurisdiction, we, we go to another channel for like pursuits and, and, um, I mean, at the end of the day, no matter where you are in the state, no matter what primary answering point you're through, we all come together and we're there for our citizens. We're there for, we're citizens ourselves, but we're there for people just like us. And we're there because we love what we do. Uh, we take pride in what we do. And yeah, sometimes the news doesn't give it outright the full kind of story. I know there was the one with the mass shooting that happened in Walmart. And what came out in the news wasn't the actuality of the situation. Um, 
from, because I'm a part of many different dispatch pages. Um, and it's, it's harmful of what maybe comes out. So understand that some of us out there are out there doing the best, wanting the best for people. And we have much love in our hearts and much care. And, um, and that's why we do what we do. And we're there every day. And we take home and we absorb things beyond what anyone should ever in their lifetime. I couldn't imagine. I took this job on because I don't want to see it and I don't want to smell it. And they have this next gen 911 and I'm like... Oh, God, my face will give it away so many times. Um, I took on this job because I love people. I love humanity. I want to do good and believe in that. And, um, and, and yeah, there's some bad apples out there, but don't let it spoil the bunch, especially when it comes to first responders. Please fire EMS, nurses, doctors, whatever. There's bad apples, but you're always you're always gonna find careers with bad apples. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't judge everyone on them. Absolutely. Well, Even I a secure desk. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I don't think I could have said it better myself. <laughs> Well, I always Thank end you. these uh, the same way as be kind to each other out there because we need more kindness in this world. And thank you very much to all of our dispatchers out there. Go do it. Uh, sit in. Go uh, research the career if it's something that sounds like you would like to get in and help out. Obviously, they need excellent good people. And Marcus, they can always write you and you can have them reach out to me and I'll answer any questions that they have. Most definitely. We are going to talk to you guys all on the next one. All right. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Marcus. You're awesome. <laughs> and keep continue to listen to him because you know what? He's just the most amazing person on the planet. So, Well, thank you. <laughs> you guys all have a great night.